All right, let's uh, give some love. AG1 and realwatersports.com. Where do we begin? Well, let's begin with AG1 because I got my AG1 right here and uh, it's a part of my daily routine and I love athletic greens. I get all my greens <laughs> sourced, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> sourced organically. And um, AG1, as I mentioned, it's become a part of my life. It's a part of my family's life. In fact, my wife just brought this to me. She's like, it's time for your AG1 because she's in it every single day as am I. So hey, yeah, doctor? athletic greens. What? She a nutritionist? Is she a doctor? How does she know so much? She just knows I don't get my greens. And so she's like, drink the athletic greens, damn it. It's just common sense. Look, 75 vitamins, minerals, nutri nutrients, adaptogens. All this time we've been hyping the adaptogens. I've never even looked up the word. I don't even know what an adaptogen is. I just feel like I need it. Sounds like a horror movie. I think it helps adapt good things into my body and make them even put, turn them into fuel. That's exactly um, what an adaptogen is. So athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal. It keeps us in business and it keeps you in full functioning, uh, full health, all of that stuff. And it's the new year. So get healthy. And this is the quickest, easiest way to do it. Scott, it looks like you have more than eight ounces of water in your shaker. I do. I have probably... Two started. scoops, two scoops, yeah. or are you just diluting the, the I just did powder? one scoop. Okay. Yeah. Well, eight ounces of water or so, plus a scoop, and that's all you need. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Real Water Sports, David, our great friend Trip and his crew at Real Water Sports. I go on their website. I'm on their website a lot. They've got so many killer boards. IPA, uh, AJW, Black Rose. Christensen, CJ Nelson, FCD Firewire, Harley Ingleby, John John Florence, Hayden Shapes, John John Florence, that must be a Pizel, JS, LibTech, Robert August, Ricky Carroll, Pat Rawson, John Pizel, Maurice Cole, Superbrand, Smith Shapes, Slater Designs, you name it, man. I'm just touching, touching just the surface here of all the different great brands that, that they have at Real Water Sports. So, this is a real surf shop and a real surf website, and you can get a bunch of killer gear. This is all killer, no filler. Realwatersports.com, no promo code. Um, nothing but love, though, and appreciation, mutual admiration. I just got off the phone 15 minutes ago with Roger Hines, our mutual friend, Roger Hines, and he said that he actually just shipped them four or five boards that are uh Full, you know, fully dialed, polish, colors, pin lines, the whole nine. And they're a design called the Time Machine, which is something that he built for me. I was um, riding that Morning of the Earth board that Torn Martin rides, like a mid-length kind of thing, yeah. for a couple of years, because I picked one up in Australia. And then I was telling him about it, and he basically made me a refined version of it that's like, a little bit less volume, a little, just slightly different in certain ways um, that has become a little bit more streamlined and it became what he's calling the time machine. And so it's a twin fin, it's a mid-length, it has channels, it's only one channel as opposed to multiple. Uh, so there are changes to the board, but there's five of them at Real Water Sports right now. And I know he's done a couple of customs because I have podcast listeners who have reached out about it. They've seen me writing it. 
and are seeing photos of it on Instagram. And uh, so he's made a few of them, but now he made five that are in retail at Real Water Sports. So if you want to check those out, check those out. And uh, I vouch for him. How's that? What'd you just send me? I sent you, (laughs) I just sent you a mistake, but I just resent you something that should be good. Oh, it's me on that board doing the Ryan Sakel saber hack. No way. Oh, the twin, the mid-length twin. That's the high line bottom turn. Huge, a little bit of a layback action. I was just did you just lose? To... Did you lose control, or was that intentional? Yes, yes, it was an intentional control loss. Oh, what a hack, dude! All right, cool. Realwatersports.com. Real water sports. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit. 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 We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. It is spit. It is Thursday. We're a couple of days late. It's uh, January 20th in the year 2022. Scott Bass and David Lee Scales with you here. And uh, good day to you, sir. Yes, it is a good day. A couple days late, but um, there's so much surf stuff, so much surf news. I feel like this is the most packed week of surf news that we've had in some, some time. I absolutely agree. There is a lot to talk to, talk about. Excuse me. We should get right to it. Wait, um, yes. wait, yes. Before we get right to it, yes. I watched The Alpinist. Hello. What a great movie, The Alpinist. Did you like it? Uh, it's phenomenal. And we'll be very careful to not spoil anything. Yeah. But it is remarkable. That climber is remarkable. Yeah. He blows the free solo guy. I mean, you can't blow Alex Honnold out of the water, but what he does is next level Alex Honnold. It, there's, a, um, there's a savant quality to him that's like the rain man that verges on mental illness, you know, or I don't even say illness, just mental um, yeah. something. I think you're right. right? There's almost like... A, um, I don't even know. I mean, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but there seems to be some sort of like Clay Marzo kind of like on the spectrum, spectrum vibe maybe. kind of yeah. going, mixing yeah. some LSD and, you know, some Grateful Dead. And yeah. And he talks about those things. So those aren't um, innuendo from you or speculation. No. But yeah, there's, it's an interesting thing to analyze that verging on mental illness or maybe it is yeah on the spectrum i don't know how to diagnose it and they don't actually diagnose it in the film i don't think either but there is that thing where savant level talents have a different their brain operates in a different way that really shouldn't even be defined as illness it's just a different way of operating that allows them this hyper focus and hyper performance in one specific area and that guy has it in climbing it's crazy yeah it is crazy and it comes it comes alongside a social awkwardness and that was an interesting part of the film which is he signed up to do the documentary and then he just completely shirks the documentary filmmakers (laughs) and he goes and achieves these historic climbs 
that was their whole purpose of following him was to get this on film. And he's just like, stops returning the calls and just go, does it crazier than faster, better than anybody who's ever done it before. Yeah. It's pretty, it's a pretty mind blowing film for sure. And uh, definitely one to watch. And relate back to surfers, you know, that we know and love and kind of how that level of athleticism is plays out. Yeah, I would agree. He's, um, it's just, it's just a great, interesting documentary. It really yeah. is on Netflix for anybody who wants it. Yes, on Netflix. Okay, um, okay. now on to today's show. Well, I mean, I don't know where to start, but I guess real quick, we need to mention that Ballroom stock, uh, stock, Stack, excuse me, Ballroom Stack beat John John Florence at the Dehui Backdoor Shootout. And wow, the Backdoor Shootout was insane. Like, Backdoor shootouts always been insane, but it sort of hasn't gotten the media attention it normally deserves, perhaps, because Pipe and Sunset and Haliva and the whole tour and the CT kind of takes over. But um, you and I talk about the Dehui backdoor shootout every year, and uh, it was pretty unbelievably good. You know, it was remarkable. It was a lot of fun. Can I play a listener call for you real quick? Yeah. What's up, guys? This is Ryan from Orlando. I uh, just spent about 12 hours, probably, give or take, watching the backdoor shootout over the last week. To be honest, I had no idea what place anybody was in. I had no idea up until the award ceremony who won. Uh, congrats, Mason Ho. But I think that was the best surf contest I ever saw. It seemed like a real surf contest that was run by real surfers. They didn't sweat the small stuff. They just put on a good show. Uh, gotta give it to the, the hooey. They, uh, they know what the people want. You know, I mean, it's, it's in their blood. They've been doing it forever. So, uh, I just want to give a big shout out to the hooey and Surfline for giving us a contest that we actually wanted to see. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Many blessings to all who hear this. I think I said Ballroom Stack one, but I guess Mason Ho won. You said Ballroom Stack beat John John, which is still accurate. That's still true. It went Mason's in first, Ballroom in second, John John in third. Uh, team snapped four, won the team division. So, I mean, the fact that you didn't know is reflective also of what he said is you're watching this. They're not giving you um, a scoreboard throughout the entire event. They're not giving you as many replays as you might like. They're not reminding you and resetting the topic and the table constantly the way Joe Turpel does. So there's hiccups in the production, but it doesn't matter because they're giving you what you want, which is heroic surfers at a heroic surf spot man and woman versus mother nature. That's the central tenet. Then there's also these surfers competing against each other, but really they're competing against mother nature. They nailed it. Yeah, they, they did a good job, a great job. And, and I did know Mason Ho was the winner, of course, because I watched the event. And, um, you know, Mason rode that bigger board and all the guys, Cole Rothman, like all the guys, the last day was spectacular, you know, like, they had all these really great first couple of days. Then the last day was really, you know, arguably as good. You know, I mean, it yeah. was legit six to eight foot perfect pipe all day. Yeah. So uh, 
unbelievable fun stuff to watch and i guess it speaks to a couple things that we miss the pipeline event in the winter and uh, we got to see some of it and of course i guess next week we're going to begin to see uh well the 29th of january we'll begin to see the first event of the ct at pipeline so interesting to juxtapose those things right i think um that kind of became the focus for me throughout watching this event was, and I think Ryan's call right there highlights it a little bit as well, is, man, he goes, was this the best surf contest I've ever watched? And when you try to run a tour and you you want to run it around the world at a lot of different venues, you're going to have to start putting parameters on the thing. And if you want to try to make it objective, who's going to objectively be the best surfer, you put more parameters on it. You want to have a profitable event then you bring sponsors in, there's new parameters on it. You adhere to different countries' regulations. Now there's even more parameters on it. And all of that has created a very different thing for the WSL. It's created a business. But that thing is so different than the original objective, which is just we're still going to find out who the best surfer is on this day at pipe. It turned out to be Mason Ho. Surprisingly, you would, you would guess it to be John, John, but in these three days, it turns out to be Mason. And, uh, there's no arguing it though, because it's the best waves in the world. And it's guys who, you know, are trying their best and he happened to do it the best. And so there's no question at the end of the day, we can argue about who the overall better surfer is or something like that, or who had the better season. But in this event, Mason Ho was the guy, John, John won't even argue against that. And so I really, it was a reaffirmation of what we talk about all the time, which is best surfers in the world in the best waves and everything else solves itself. Yeah, absolutely. And and some of the technical surfing that Mason was doing, you know, with he's sort of taken that. Um, and we mentioned Clay Marzo earlier. He's sort of taken that Clay Marzo sort of twisted lay forward where he grabs the rail with the other hand, you know, with his front hand and lays back. I mean, you know, he's and he and as always, Mason just seems to exude fun and um, and 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 sort of, you know, he sort of cloaks on the whole what surfing is, is this big smile, you know, and that comes out in his surfing. It's just, this just uh, larger than life sort of happiness that, that exudes from his surfing. It's uh, he's, uh, he's quite a character and we we speak at length about him, but uh, he deserves it. He really does. And I'm really convinced that that translates to scoring. There's, Uh, the technical part of him riding the barrel aside, which is proficient and deserves the points allocated beyond that, what you're talking about, the charisma element, I'm convinced affects the judging. And it certainly does in the Dehui backdoor shootout. And I think that the judges will just admit that at the Dehui backdoor shootout, that's probably part of the criteria, but it will even for the WSL who tries to kind of shirk it and tries to say that it's objective When Mason comes out of the barrel, one of those waves where he's backside gets a crazy barrel and continues holding the rail well outside of the tube, like he's off on the shoulder, the waves now three feet and he's still in the pig dog stance, just hanging on because he's just absorbing it. And then after that, he stands up and like looks down at his feet, just like, Oh brother, that was so sick. You know, 
all of that stuff is not technical. It doesn't, it shouldn't get points, but the charisma is just so, it's so good. It just soaks, you know, you yeah. have to enjoy it. Yeah. And it's authentic, you know, it's yeah. just authentic. It's good stuff. So congrats to the Jahui and um, to Mason Ho on put on another great event. Well, hey, congrats to Ballerum Stack, right? Yeah, I know. That's the classic case of like the East Coast guy that just put in so much time. We talked about it last week. He just puts in so much time that he's one of, you know, he's he's welcomed into the, the scene. You know, he's just put in year after year after year of, you know, hard charging beatings there. And, and uh, yeah, good stuff for the Look, East Coast surfer. And I know Ballerum does crazy airs. Uh, you know, and he's not just a big barrel guy, but I, I like the idea that somebody can build their career on pipeline. Like in the day and age where everybody else got dropped by their sponsors, him included, by the way, he got dropped off Quicksilver during that big call. Um, and yeah, when Vulcan picked him up, it may largely be to do with him showing up and going on big bombs at pipeline every winter. And I love that somebody can have a career based on one season of the year at one way, at one spot. And sometimes off of just one given wave in that winter. And for him, it was a few this time, but he got that 11 point ride last uh, week when we were discussing the early rounds of this event. And then he continued to back that up, up to a second place finish. Um, somebody got a 12 point ride on the finals day, I believe it was. And that is a kid I've never heard of before, but apparently a North shore charger named Kala Grace. Did you see this? No. Oh, dang. I got to send it to you. If I can send it to you quickly, I will while we're discussing Kala Grace gets the wave of the winter. I mean, this thing is insane. And again, this is kind of what I'm talking about where never heard of this kid before. I'll never forget his name now. I'll never forget this wave. And he deserves any level of kudos that he gets out of this thing. Okay, I found it. It's on Larry Haynes's Insta. Um, but yeah, just totally insane. Here, here zero, zero yeah. to, not zero, but no name to hero instantly. Okay. How about what? Okay, I just sent it. The surfing that the girls that like Bethany Hamilton, the the, the closeouts that she was packing with one arm, blows my. I'm never like it, it. just never ceases to amaze me. Surfing pipeline with one arm. Oh, I know. Think about that. That is I know. crazy. So this yeah. clip I just sent you from Kalat, it's the Larry Haynes angle from the water. He fully disappears, looking straight into the barrel from the water shot. He disappears for probably three or four seconds and then comes out after the spit. There's a second angle, too, from the beach that it'll automatically play for you after you see that. Oh, um, spits. Gonzo, 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 gonzo. The thing just keeps on spitting. I know. And then he comes out of the shadow. And watch and the beach angle. The beach angle. I mean, this kid freaking, Ooh. this kid that rode so cool. the, and he drops in, in the knife's in at the gnarliest spot, you know, <laughs> just a full dog grace. That was incredible. Sort of reminded me of the Derek Ho yeah. barrel that he got in the pipe masters. I want to say in 91 or something like that. 
that was just mind blowing. So you're talking about the women surfers. I did not see that heat and I haven't seen the recap, but I did see some of Bethany's waves. One thing that I saw from somebody, uh, maybe they DM'd me was a couple of the girls needing to get called out for not going. I guess Kiala Kenley wasn't going, which is surprising. Um, uh, well, they maybe. Said I, saw, I saw her go on a few. I saw her take some wipeouts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they said Malia, which I presume is Malia Manuel. Yeah, maybe. Was she out there? I don't recall that, but. Okay. I saw a girl's heat and I saw Bethany and, and Kayala. And man, does Kayala, does anybody take more wipeouts than Kayala Kenley? Like a Jaws. Like every time I see her, she's just taking the gnarliest beatings, man. It's, I know she gets I, good waves too. I'm just saying, I've seen some crazy beatings. It's worth noting. I mean, I hate <laughs> well, this is cancelable, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. She won the Jaws event by wiping out just because nobody else went on a wave as gnarly as she did. She didn't even complete the wave, but she wiped out on it, won the event. Yeah. She charges. It seems like she's always like two or three strokes behind where she needs to be so it's always like this late over the ledge drop instead of being kind of in the middle of the throat of the whole thing where you can just get to your feet and knife turn in the way Claude grace just did yeah she's always up on top of the lip instead of under it not always yeah. but that's what i've noticed well moana wong was obviously got some amazing ones out there and of course bethany hamilton is the one that uh is making the rounds that's gone viral so yeah shout out to her for sure She's crazy, Bethany Hamilton. That's mind blowing what she does. And John John is still on the top of the heap too. I kind of said, you know, Mason Ballerum beat him, but John John was there throughout the event, getting tens and doing what he does. And Nathan Florence too, by the way. Nathan got some backdoor bombs that were just screamers. I'm going through the some of the pictures on Stav, and it's bringing back some of my highlights here because Reef McIntosh, just like. He must weigh 300 pounds now. He looks like Perry Dane in 1992 or something. And, but he was just getting some sick ones, you know? Yeah. So I have a question now. Can the Pipe Masters, well, not the Pipe Masters, the Billabong Pipeline Pro, the WSL event, can it live up to the Dehui event? I mean, it's kind of apples and oranges. It's kind of, Dehui has such a unique format that, it's kind of not fair to compare them, you know, we have, um, you to. know, we have to, I don't think it'll live up to it. I mean, th these guys got to pick the eyes out of like three different swells and just pick any time, you know, like they really got plenty of time to pick prime swell and conditions for the Dehui back shootout. I don't know if the CT guys at the WSL are going to have that ability. In fact, it's funny. I was looking at the forecast. I'm going to look at it again, but it looked like, I hate to say this, and I'm sure this won't be the case, but it looked like West Swell Energy kind of shuts down at, like in three or four days. Mm. I'm going to take another peek at it here because they got a nice fat two-week window. But, uh, yeah, And it's still nine days out. So, um, But it's a point worth discussing. You know, by virtue of changing the event from December to later in the season – uh, so that it can fit their, so that it can become the first event of their season. It could create complications, but also this event was just, it's not, again, it's not held to the same kind of parameters that that event is. And it's spectacular year in and year out. Yeah, really. It, it's, 
they have fun and it's a it's a good show for sure. So does Mason, does Mason Ho deserve an invite? Oh yeah, to the pipe event? Of course. I think they should absolutely give Mason the wild card it? spot. I don't know. Yeah. Probably a bit on team. They already mentioned that Moana is gonna get it for the women. Oh, did they state yeah. that? Yeah. That's a so no-brainer. That's kind of cool. Kinda cool. It looks um, like um, there's going to be – I mean, it's pretty far out. We're, we're talking a week out, so it's hard to, to really gauge. But it looks like there will be storm activity to provide West Swell for the, at least the opening couple of days of the pipe event. Um, I'm not convinced that Mason will translate his same whatever mojo into the WSL event, but he absolutely earned an invite. Yeah, and he's dangerous. He's one of those guys that could that could come along and knock your survival league guy out of the you know what I mean? He's a he's a dangerous wild card. He truly is wild. Like he he's one of the ones where you're like, oh man, this guy could make a run like Jamie O'Brien as a wild card all the way through. I would love to see it too. That would be fun. Well, this if is a good yeah. If the waves are as good as they were for the Dehui event, then of course Mason could win it. He'd be right up there with anybody. Um, if the waves get uh, less than that good, there's tactics that can come into play. And I could easily see a Gabriel Medina or anyone running a tactics game on Mason and just getting him out of his head and throwing him off. Mm. Well, we'll see how it plays out, but this might be a good time to segue into the survival league surf S U R F Ival surf Ival league, David. And, um, I've already signed up. I threw 20 bucks at him cause I'm, I've made my pick, but let me tell you a little bit about this, David. It's, it's simple, right? You and I did this last year. Remember I lost the very first event of the year. I picked Seth Moniz and I loved lost it. it pipeline. Yeah. You I loved it. My ass. But um, the survival league is simple, right? So um, anyone can play. It's 20 bucks. Um, it's much easier to play than Fantasy Surfer. Um, all you have to do really is just pick one guy to get past the round of 32 at each event. And you can only pick one. You can only use one Surfer uh, at each event through the wait i'm not quite explaining that right maybe you should step in and help me with that part yeah i got it okay no i got it it's basically if you lose once throughout the season you're done you're out yeah you're out there's no buying back in so you lost in the first event last time so it's important by the way to sign up before the season starts yeah sign up right now i already signed up up now (laughs) i signed up last week it's survivalleague.com and and it's s-u-r-f hyphen i-v-a-l yeah dash um, so the point is, it doesn't matter if your surfer wins the event, it's, you're not trying to win the event. All that you're trying to do is get past the round of 32. And if you don't get past the round of 32, you're out for the entire season. So, um, yeah, great. If your guy wins the event, that's fantastic. The other little catch here though, is you can only pick a given surfer once. So, you know, do you want to pick Gabriel right out of the gates at Pipeline? Yeah, he could win Pipeline, but you might want to save him for um, a spot that he's known to be the best at, you know, for I don't know where that might be for Gabriel. Pipeline. <laughs> he's good everywhere. Yeah, he's good everywhere. Um, but for example, 
let me let me pick a different example that might work a little bit better. Uh, we're going to West Oz this year. Maybe you keep Jack Robinson for West Oz. You know, you're like, okay, I know Jack could do good at pipe, so that'd be a safe pick. But so can John John. So can Gabriel. Who's guaranteed to do good at West Oz? Jack Robinson. So I'm going to keep Jack for West Oz. So you want to be strategic that way. But my strategy. Again, last year when we played, I didn't quite think through a strategy. I just kind of went with heart. My strategy this year, I'll reveal it right now. And I'll let you guys pilfer my strategy if you want. Right. Last year, I, I tried to throw smoke screens. Um, I'm just going to pick the surfer that I think is going to win the individual event. So for me, I think John John's going to win pipeline. I think he's the safest bet at pipeline. I don't want to save him necessarily for anywhere else. Sure, Margaret River, he'd be a bet. but pipeline's a better bet for John John for me. So I'm picking John John right out of the gates going for the big win. Okay. So th this is fascinating, right? Because um, we're all hoping that John John loses. If we don't pick John John, we want John John to lose in the first round and it's going to wipe out 90% of the field. True. So the main points of survival league season two, this is the second season, by the way, it's a winner take all survival league. So there's $3,000 and three boards from Panda surfboards on the line. It costs Crazy. $20 to buy in, 20 bucks. Winner take all 3,003 boards. You can't pick the same surfer twice. And you pick one surfer per event to make it past the round of 32. Um, here's something interesting. I'll give you a little, some little data points. Last year, the pipeline pick distribution went as follows. Kelly Slater got the most picks. 24% of the field picked Kelly Slater. John John got 20%. Seth Moniz, my pick, got 10% and lost. So right away last year, 10% of the field was gone. That's it. Game over. Jack Robinson got 8% of the field last year, and Jeremy Flores, 8% of the field. So notable losses last year that you might – that you might've been like, wow, my guy lost. Seth Moniz, Julian Wilson, Chloe Andino, Michelle Baraz, Connor Coffin, Griffin Colapinto. You'd think that those guys would get through to the round of 32, but no. And so your strategy is very interesting. And, and I think your strategy is the strategy that a lot of people will play. But at some point, if you look at, for instance, West Oz, and you go, you know what? It's three to four feet in West Oz. Like it's not eight to 10. Then all of a sudden, yeah, Jack Robinson does make sense. But Felipe Toledo. Felipe Toledo. Or how about this one? Kyle Abelli. Nobody picks Kyle Abelli. You know what I mean? Like, but if you picked Kyle and you're Jack Robinson loses, you know, all of yeah. a sudden we just whittled the field down from like 700 people to 70 people in one yeah. event, you know? And so it gets real uh, crazy when, when a favorite doesn't get past the round of 32. Yep. Um, well, 3000 bucks for the winner. It's one winner last year, by the way, it was a thousand bucks and one surfboard from Panda. Somehow they tripled those. So <laughs> winner gets 3000, uh, and three surfboards from Panda, which is kind of <laughs> what a, an instant quiver from Panda, which is kind of crazy. Um, Blake Peters, of course, Panda surfboards, $20 to buy in one time fee. It's not 20 bucks per event. It's 20 bucks survival. Oh, surfival-league.com. Um, yeah, I'm all in. I, I sent my 20 Sorry. bucks. 
It's S-U-R-F-I-V-A-L hyphen L-E-A-G-U-E.com, survival-league.com. And um, you and I are in again this year. And I've got my pick. I'm not going to reveal. Why not? I'll reveal after the event. Okay. We'll see. Uh, after you, each event, I'm going to reveal. Can you tease what your strategy is? Well, here's what's interesting. There's, there's 11 events on tour. I think there's 10 plus the final event. So there's really 10 events. Um, let's see. What, is, what does Taylor say? How many events does he have? Anyway, you could easily pick just the top 10 guys in each one. And it feels like there could be a lot of ties at the end of the year. It feels like there could be 30 guys that are all still going. Yeah. Um, and that's not so what's your strategy? strategy. Well, my strategy is I have no strategy. <laughs> no, of course, I just look at it like per event. I'm like, okay, pipe, you know, like, yeah, everyone's picking John, John. So why not pick him? It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Well, it kind of does because if I pick somebody that, and John John loses, then all of a sudden, if John John loses, doesn't make it to the round of 32, we're going to eliminate easily 75% of the field. And now it's just me against 20 dudes instead of me against 2,000 dudes or whatever it is. Yeah, but you, know you, can't predict if, you can't predict if John John's going to win or lose, though. That's the thing. So you just well, pick right. who is going to win or lose, and whatever everybody else is doing doesn't really matter. Well, you don't want to be on the losing side of a fa- – you don't want to pick Seth Moniz. You know <laughs> he what I mean? never predicted to win. I – okay. I, I like that you. I get what you're saying. One thing I was surprised by was seeing that 24% of people picked Kelly last year for pipe. Well, he's, I mean, did you see that stat the WSL put out over yeah. his, what, 20, how many years has he been on tour? Like 28 years or 30 years or something <laughs> over the 30 years on tour, his average, if you take all of his results is fourth. Yeah. So Kelly does make sense. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, I'm curious to hear your pick. We'll find out next. Well, not next week, but the week after. Okay. I'll wait patiently. Uh, this is a great time to also discuss the new 2022 championship tour schedule was just released. And I feel like we say that three times <laughs> in the mid in the off season, and then they revamp it and release it again. And here yeah. we are. Uh, there's one big change and, yeah. or two, two big announcements off this. They announced the finals day location as lower trestles, same place as last year. And they also announced the addition of the Surf City El Salvador Pro. So we had Barra on tour this past year. Now it's the El Salvador Pro this year. Yeah, and so that's gonna be at Punta Roca, you know, the famous right-hand point down there, La Libertad. Um, And that's a great wave, you know, it just is. It's just a super good wave. Um, You know, it's it's got kind of a top tube. It's up at the top of the point, it's a, you know, cobblestone, sort of a like a um, kind of a, a Rincon style wave, if you will. Um, cobblestone point, actually kind of big boulders. And, um, and it's got a great little top tube and it's got some rocks on the inside, one rock in particular that you have to avoid. And, um, and it's not a, a super long point, you know, um, it can be, but really the first couple sections you kick out after those first two or three sections 
Now the point goes on for a long ways into the inside, which is kind of like just, you know, like a beginner kind of, you know, Waikiki style wave, but um, it's a legit wave with a legit swell. You're looking at solid performance, right-hand point. And a legit addition to the tour. So we do have, as far as right-hand points go, we have Sunset, we have um, Bells, and we have J-Bay. This provides something different than all of those. This is a smaller wave. It's much more rippable. And um, so I'm glad to see it. I think it's a great, great choice. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I would say, though, that Sunset's not really a point. Sunset's more of a reef wave. And really, J-Bay's a legit point. What was the other one? That Bells. You Bells, I guess, is a point. Feels like a reef wave. Yeah, Bells and, and Sunset are like open ocean. There is a reef, but it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, but it's not like a like yeah. a perfect point, like a Rincon or a J-Bay or something. Exactly. So we've got the schedule goes Pipeline, Sunset, Portugal, probably Super Tubos, um, Bells Beach, Margaret River, G-Land is still there, El Salvador, Rio, J-Bay, Tahiti, and then Finals Day at Trestles. I like the tour. Yeah, so the... You know, the, I guess the big debate here or discussion could be about the finals location. It's hard to, it's hard to poo-poo lowers as the final location. I, I, I keep digging for like why I don't like it. And the results from last year would suggest that I loved it. You know, like I enjoyed watching the finals at lowers. And, you know, I'm the first guy that's like, oh, we need to have it at waves of consequence. Let's put the five best surfers in some gnarly waves. And I still feel that way. I just don't know that September offers a whole lot of options. Um, certainly Indonesia in September has plenty of options. If we could fly everybody to surf, uh, can do we left? That would be incredible. You know, um, it's just not, it just feels like lowers is like, pretty much guaranteed to be five feet and rippable. And, and it's just easier to pull off than the Kandui situation. Way easier to pull off from a logistics standpoint. No uh, which doubt. I don't and think they, should be factored in personally. I agree. And, but, you know, the flip side of that is, well, look, the last event of the season's at Chopu. So if Chopu's eight foot, then they've, They've surfed in some gnarly waves, you know. They've surfed at sunset. They've surfed at pipe. They've surfed at chopu, and uh, you know, it, like I said, it's it's. I kind of cringe that they're still doing it at lowers, but I also, if I was in charge, I'd be like, let's do it at lowers. It's perfect and easy, and there it is. It's kind of right in front of us. Why are we trying to recreate the wheel here? I think lowers deserves a spot on tour. It doesn't need to be the final stay event just i'm just struggling to find a good spot in september in the northern hemisphere well yeah i mean it doesn't have to be september in theory um and it doesn't have they, to be the northern it doesn't well, have they, to be the northern hemisphere jesse miley dyer by the way i don't like this hyphenated last names like when does it end like what <laughs> like, you know like what if like what's her kid gonna like what if her kid wants to hyphenate her name? then it's like Johnny Myler Johnson Dyer, like it just it's never ending. Like get like pick a name and stick with it. Okay, I'm over right, the call her, call her whatever you want. I'll let you and then send your hate call her to Jesse. No, I'm sure she's wonderful. It's not her last name specifically. It's just the concept of a hyphenated last name. I think is 
a little there's a little bit of vanity there speaking like look at you david lee scales right <laughs> no lee is your middle name right like david lee yes. roth right you're named yeah. after i was david. named after yeah that's amazing i get that's a lot I get to what you're saying to. i'm re <laughs> i'm redefining it although you should see my high kick it's it's on par with his i've been doing lots of stretching trying to get it ready that's for cool. you that's yeah. cool. you, you um, so what did jesse what did Jesse so, say? What, I forget. What was I even talking about? About no. the reason for why they're doing it at lowers? Well, she was saying that, first of all, they talked to all the surfers, the five surfers, I guess, the 10 surfers total. And they all loved lowers. They're like, well, they all really loved it. And in addition to, the surfers also spoke to the fact that because lowers offers a right and a left, it's sort of a, an equal playing field. So if we were to go to Kandui or go to G-Land or go wherever, it's either a right or a left and lowers offers this peak situation, which is also highly rippable. And so that was one of the things that they said is, you know, the reasoning behind it is that the surfers felt it was an equitable playing field. Yeah. Well, they, they pulled off an epic day of surfing uh, this past year. So I suppose we got to kind of, there's justification for it. Um, I did have somebody telling me throughout all of this, or somebody in the surf industry saying, you know, they sign, they have a three D a three year commitment to lowers for finals day. And I go, no, cause I'm hearing other rumors that they might do it at Barra, you know, or they're looking at these other venues and he goes, I don't know what to tell you. They have a three year commitment and this is validating that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again next year. Yeah. And it might be more like the permit that they got was for three years and they're looking at it and they're like, we have the permit. Are we right. really going to give up this permit to lowers in September? Are you kidding me? You know how much this is worth? Yeah. And it is worth something like not maybe in dollars and cents, probably a little bit, but as far as it's kind of like having a permit for the pipe event and going, mm, we could try to go to like Al Moana. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, Wait a minute. You got an event permit for pipe. And I'm sure that's how they're feeling. I'm sure that plays into it. They're like, God, we've got the permit. Why are we trying to, like I said, recreate the, the deal, the wheel here. I mean, this thing's right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not super bothered by it. Um, obviously this isn't news, but the wave pool is off the schedule this year. Surf Ranch is off the schedule. So I think that is an improvement. One thing that's news is before the cutoff. Yeah. So traditionally in the year, uh, surfers would drop their two lowest results. So there'd be 11 events, but only nine events are counted towards their final score line at the end of the season and their ranking. This season, they're doing away with that. And they, before the cut, which is after Margaret River, before G-Land, they're allowed to drop one result. And then after the cut, everything counts. So yeah. your requalification or your qualification for the second half of the season is based on four of the five events results. And then after the at the cut line, everything matters. You're not allowed to drop anything. Yeah. So nine out of the 10 events this year are going to count towards your final tally and to see if you make it into the, the top five uh, men and women respectively for the final five. That's kind of interesting. I think. Um, I like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first half of the season is really quite fascinating. And well, so is the back half. But I mean, the first the, half is really gnarly. It, you know, go ahead. The reason I like it is it services a lot of what we've been talking about before, which is 
there's no dilly dally. There's less and less dilly dally. Let's make it as pointy as we can and force everybody just to be on their A game and make their shoot through the eye of the needle, basically. You know, and if you need to, if you need to drop two results, you don't deserve to be on tour. Some people would argue, and I'm not one of them, but I'll, I'll make this point that, you know, it's it would behoove the WSL to, to build up young talent instead of, um, you know, snipping off talent so quickly and, and dashing the dreams of rookies after five events. Um, there's that argument out there that, you know, where's the development? And of course, you and I say, well, that's the Challenger Series. Like, we're not taking the Challenger Series away from any of those guys. Go get it. You've got, you know, September on to go kick ass in the Challenger Series and get back into that top spot. And now you'll be requalified as a second year sophomore rookie, so to speak. And that's, and that's the exact key is that the Challenger Series takes place in the offseason now. So we used to make that argument, but that rookie would have to spend a full year on the QS and it could be in their prime kind of athletic ability years. Now they don't need a full year off. They get kicked off tour in May, essentially, if they don't make the cut. September, they start the Challenger Series and be back on tour the very next year in January. Yeah, yeah. So It's a good solution. I agree. Um, I just keep finding myself wanting to think of a better spot for the final day. Yeah, I think Indonesia on a boat is, is the call, and it doesn't have to stay at Kandui. It's on a boat. Yeah, but they, they do want to get it all done in one day. Like, well, yeah, the whole thing if, happens in one day. That's fine. But if, I guess if you're on a boat, you can, and you're there for two weeks, you can surf the best spot in that two weeks. Yeah. Right. But yeah. we're just one day. We're going to do it all in one day. Okay. Yeah. Um, so following the conversation of stab surfer of the year thing that they're doing. Yes. They're still doing this. They're still interviewing people. Here's my highlight of this week. Yes. They interviewed Idolo about his top five picks. Guess who his number one pick was? Idolo? Yep. Good. His, his direct quote was, I see myself as an inspiration to myself. I wake <laughs> up at 5 a.m. to surf. Then I go to the gym. I surf three or four times a day and I make it count. I know it depends on my hard work to pay off. I love that. <laughs> I love that. He loves I see myself as an inspiration to myself. Um, now, as much <laughs> as I want to hate this, I can't. And as much as I would hate to be friends with a guy who operated with that mentality, I love it in a world champ and it's necessary in a world champ. And when you're going toe to toe with Gabriel and John, John, you have to believe it that exact thing. And so, um, <laughs> I love it. And his favorite film was his film and his favorite edit was his edit. Like everything was all Idolo's favorite female surfer, him wearing a wig. That's epic. I, I know it's weird for, it seems like with any other surfer, I would kind of vomit in my mouth a little bit, but with Idolo, I'm kind of on board with it. I, there's something charming about it because it, there's almost the sense of, um, well, it's obviously sincere, but there's this sense of like, he doesn't realize how vain it looks, but more power I think we're, li we're living in a time where vanity, there's no shame in yeah. that level of vanity and fame. Look at the Kardashians, look Ooh. at every, 
you know, I mean, seriously, it's like, and they, and they go, Hey, you say, Ooh, follow me to the bank. Like say, Ooh, all the way to the bank. There's nothing you can say to me that can uh, penetrate these fake, this plastic, literal plastic facade that I have on. And so I don't think Idolo goes to that example, but I think he's taking, he's drawing off of that. And he's also drawing off of Kelly Slater. He's going, Kelly made Kelly the priority for two decades. And that eliminated a lot of, you know, chinks in the armor that other surfers took on throughout those years. And so I'm going to go into it with that same mindset. And you know what, we'll see, we'll see how that works for him this year. Well, look, speaking of Kelly Slater, they also did his, or no, actually, I guess they didn't ask him for his take. He just sent it in on Instagram DM. Did you know this? No. He sent in his, his five and they're like, look, the guy spoke. We got to listen to him. Are you kidding? They never asked him. Let me look. This is for real. Double check this. Yeah. Pretty sure. Let me me read it. Uh, I'll read exactly what they said here. Oh my gosh. Okay, here you go. You ready? Talk about vanity. I know. Um, okay. In classic Kelly Slater style, fashion, Kelly slid into our direct messages with his picks in a few words late last night. The goat cannot be ignored. To see who you and Kelly picked as the stab surfers of the year, look below. So, the vibe is, is that they didn't ask Kelly or maybe they did and he just ignored him. And then he threw in his. Nope. I want to believe the first story. That's what, I mean, that's what you read into it, right? He, he says, Hey, look, um, in classic Kelly Slater. Yeah. Surfer of the year fashion. He slid into our DMS with his picks and a few words late last night. The goat cannot be ignored. So they're like, hey, he DM'd us. Let's put it in here. You know, here's his pick. Let's hear him. John, John Florence. Wait, are these his or Kelly? Let me see if I got the result. Okay, those are the results. Sorry. Okay, here's Kelly. John, John Florence. Idolo. Gabe. Mason. Here's kind of an interesting one. Ethan Ewing. Awesome. I love it. Does Ethan ride for... No, no, he doesn't. I think he's on that, that one was in, that one was interesting. As soon as I saw that one, I'm like, hmm, is that one of his team riders? No, it's not. But I love it because Kelly is he's I mean, he's studying everything so closely. And if you watch Ethan, I don't know if you can think of Ethan surfing right now, but when you watch his surfing, it's the best. I mean, his his form and technique, everything is undeniable. And his results haven't reflected it, but I think Kelly's recognizing exactly that he's going to do this kids on a whole different level. Yeah. So best edit was free scrubber. Awesome. Kelly love. I loved it. I like Kelly even more now. The best film was maps of home by John Florence. Agreed. Phenomenal. And the best junior Jackson Dorian and Sierra Kerr. Who are his women picks? Carissa Moore is number one. Stephanie Gilmore is number two. Tatiana Weston Webb, another hyphenated name. Just pick a name. (laughs) Betty Lou Sakura Johnson, not hyphenated. And uh, Bahini Ferraro. Oh, yeah. Great call. So, um, you know that 
Fahini's father and I are old buddies. I had no idea. Yeah. Her father, Andrew Fierro, grew up in Del Mar. She's like, Tahitian, right? Yeah. He's like two or three years younger than I am. And when we were Groms growing up, you know, he, he had his little pack of guys and I had my guys and we were a little bit older than Andrew. It was Andrew and a couple of other guys. And we would all surf the same spots and, you know, be in the same circle, you know. And then I told you the story. I picked him up at the airport in Hawaii and um, I don't know, it was like 87 or something. And took him straight to Lania Kea and it was pumping. And I go, whatever you do, if you break your board or you break your leash, don't go into the rip because it's going to take you out forever. Just swim in. And he's like, okay. We went out there and sure enough, my leash broke. And what did I do? Swam into the rip, got taken out to sea for an hour. I did exactly what I told him not to do. But yeah, her, her dad is an old surf buddy of mine from you know high school. So did he move to Tahiti? Yeah, he moved to Tahiti in like 1990 and never left. He just what like, is he, what is he I do? don't know what he does. I haven't seen him in 30 years. I haven't spoken to him since that day at Haleiwa because I think I left for Fiji like the next day or something. Crazy. Yeah. Reach out to him. Yeah, yeah. You know. His daughter's really on the ascent. Like she's on Hurley now, I think. And um, she's making some moves. So good for him. It'd be cool if she got the wild card for the Chopu event. Yeah, totally. Right. And she charges right. totally. Oh yeah. Um, so Tatiana Weston Webb is married to Jesse Mendez. So we should start calling her Tatiana Weston Webb Mendez. See what I'm saying? Like when yes. does it end? Like the hyphens never end. And Tatiana's a long name, anyways. It's like a combo of Tati and Anna. So Tati yeah. Anna Weston Webb Mendez. Is that too much to ask? Just pick a name, be proud of it, and roll. By the way, you can name your kid Weston. Or you can, you know, like if you're worried about the name lose, like if this is a family name, you know, just name your kid David Lee Roth in the middle, you know, like. Got it. <laughs> that's his middle name. David hyphen Lee hyphen hyphen Roth. You know what I'm saying? Like just one last name, please. If, it, if there's a hyphen involved, it's too much. All right. We'll put the word out. Yeah. Put it on Instagram. Um, so Kelly, that is an amazing Kelly story. And I'm glad that you brought that up. And he's still... <laughs> He still isn't on the list of uh, surfers of the year. I know. I'm, I'm tracking the tally and they give you the top 10, but there's a number of two, three, four-way ties. So there's actually 15 names listed and Kelly's name is not on there. It goes Gabriel, John, John, Idolo, Mason, Chloe, Nathan Fletcher, Benji Brand, Griffin Colapinto, Craig Anderson somehow is still ranked seventh, tied for seventh. Jack Robinson, Ian Crane, Michael February, Noah Dean, Peter Mel, Felipe Toledo. No Kelly. Is this after? Like I'm, there's as of, lists. as of two days ago. I know. You got to scroll to the bottom of the page to see the, okay. the yeah. ongoing tally. But the most recent poll was two days ago, and that was the uh, accumulation of points. Gabriel has 92 points. So it's interesting that Kelly's not on the list. That, and, and what else is interesting is how low Felipe Toledo is on the list. I'm not surprised by that. So this is kind of, a, I mean, it kind of reeks, which we already knew it's obviously quite subjective. It's a little bit of a popularity thing, kind of like the circle poll. But because, yeah, whatever. Whatever, but it's interesting to track because aside from uh, 
aside from who's actually winning, it's interesting to see who's not on it, basically. Kyle Lenny and Yeah, Tony. that's almost more interesting, right? Who's yeah. not on it? Totally. Like Molly um, Picklum. Did you did you have Molly Picklum as one of your top five women? No. Is she Australian? I have no idea. I'm just she's tied for 15th here with Bronte McCauley. All that we know is that Caitlin Simmers is from Oceanside. That is very oh, important yeah. information. Yeah, we caught a lot of flag about that. I'm still getting texts and DMs, man. So the let's talk about Caitlin. Caitlin declined her spot on the WSL or on the WCT. She qualified, which was a big news story last week. And yep. in that time, declined. No thanks. Really? Yeah, no thanks. I'm not ready for the tour. Maybe the tour is not ready for me. And uh, I'm going to stay near home, focus on my surfing, focus on schooling. I'll be back. I'll requalify next year or the year after. I love that. And now, so here's your look. I know you know the answer to this. What pro surfer did that? Taj. Right. Is Taj. he the only one? The only one that said, no, thank you. I think he might be. It's hard to he's the, he's the only one I could think of. So Taj qualified when he was 17. There were surfers that qualified younger than him. Aki, you know. Yeah, but um, they didn't. But they, they all, yeah, they all, song. exactly. They qualified younger and still participated. Taj, from what I remember at the time said, I'm not mature enough yet, basically. And so I want to mature into an adult and then I'll try to requalify again. And he requalified, he did exactly that. He waited a year and then he requalified. So Caitlin doing it, I think is very prudent. I think it's smart. I think that she's talented enough to requalify whenever she sets her mind to it. The thing that popped into my head, Scott, was... Is the WSL, with this in mind and with the Dehui backdoor shootout, is the WSL losing a little bit of clout? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what jumped into my mind. Not that, but the idea that if I'm Caitlin and Caitlin's parents, this isn't the only route for me to be a pro surfer. It isn't. You know what I mean? Like, I can just be Caitlin and have social Insta and TikTok and whatever and blow up and kill it. And by the way more non-endemic brands probably want to be involved with me that because I'm more engaged. I'm not like focused on, Oh my God, I got to go win a heated, you know, whatever eight, you know? And so I can be more, Oh, this is fun. So look at me, look, check out my bikini, blah, blah, blah. Look at my lotions. Look at my, I use this product, blah, blah, blah. Check, you know, and blows up and makes tons of dough and there's no stress. It's just all Caitlin all the time. So there is that, as you know, and as we all know, there is that option now. And is that option more um, fiscally sound than trying to chase? Appealing and fiscally sound. So I, I think everything you said is true, but beyond that. Yeah, that's what you said at so, the beginning. I'm not sure about. So, so beyond that, let me just, a couple of things that came to my mind is, the things that we complain about in recent years, the WSL running events at Surf Ranch, the WSL doing the ultimate surfer, all of this stuff has created this thing. And Caitlin's coming up, when you and I were coming up, it was just the best surfers in the best waves. And it was like, that was where you wanna be. And even if you can make a living as a free surfer, you still wanted to do this thing to compete with Kelly and your guy and whoever it was. Now I see Caitlin coming up and yeah, there's more options over here. And to be honest, the thing that you guys created over here, it's a little bit embarrassing and it's not, I mean, you have the Dehui backdoor shootout and you have WSL athletes. So if I want to compete against John, John, I can go there and do that over here too. 
and the Red Bulls probably doing events, Cape Fear events or whatever else. I just don't want to be associated with this thing anymore. This thing over here has become kind of a farce compared to the Dehui backdoor shootout. And by the way, like you said, I can make a living on my own entirely, but I would rather from a Caitlin brand standpoint, I would rather be associated on my terms with these things. Yeah. It's almost like, do you want to be associated with Walmart or do you want to be associated with Nordstrom? <laughs> you know what I mean? At a and certain point that, I mean, that's an apt analogy, you know, it's yeah. kind of going down that way. If it's not fully that yet, there's early indicators that that is that. Yeah. <clears throat> Look, Walmart might be a little bit harsh, but it's, there's certainly a lack of authenticity when you talk about the ultimate surfer and the wave ranch versus pipeline and the North shore of Oahu and the backdoor shootout. Like we have authenticity over here. They don't care if you watch, they really don't even care. You know, by the yeah. way, they're going to tell you a bunch of, I find fascinating history about yeah. Hawaii. Like I could almost listen to that guy. Just tell me about the takeover of Hawaii and get really into the trenches and do a deep dive or, you know, <clears throat> some ABC show where it might as well be like the biggest loser. I mean, it's embarrassing when you think about the, yeah, I, whatever. I don't want to beat him up, but yeah. um, the think about this, but they did hit home runs with the finals last year at lowers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 2019 pipe event was a home run. Event phenomenal home runs. We don't want yeah. to just, I'm not here to just bash them, but we are here to say that stuff over there is bullshit. Yeah. Those two things so, are bullshit. Let me get this thought out too. Uh, so the Dehui backdoor shootout with John John Florence and WSL competitors competing in it. Imagine if what? Well, by the way, they used to not allow that. I know. The WSL, like back, might have even been before Paul Speaker, but for sure when it was Graham no. Stapenberg and those guys. Two years ago, couldn't. three years ago, they weren't. Yeah, you if, if you were a WSL surfer, you were tied in like – legally you had to get a waiver to surf in any other event because you're one of their surfers i remember this coming up with one of the cape the red bull events maybe it was cape fear um where yeah whoever the wsl uh, billy kemper or whoever wasn't allowed to go surf in it because of that but check this out so do we back to shoot out imagine this analogy f1 formula one racing which i've been watching drive to survive on Netflix. Imagine if Lewis Hamilton and those kind of top level guys created a separate race over here, aside from the, the formula tour, a separate race over here on a gnarlier track that was more dynamic, brought the A list, all the A list names and did an event over here that was better and more successful than what F1 is doing. That's what just happened. This did happen. This did occur. <laughs> and, and a non-F1 driver won the race. Well, on, the gnarly, on the gnarlier track that's more dramatic and a better test of your skills. A non-F1 driver wins. It, it's, it's a little bit apples and oranges, though, because like the car that Lewis is driving is, there's so much that's political... The but 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 the 
all the car owners are all involved in F1, the organization administratively, like as far as their monies, the whole, the whole thing is, it's just not the greatest analogy. I do get what you're saying. Here's the, here's, I think what's embedded in what you're talking about is you're right. They created this entire political vehicle that that would never end up happening. They would right. never exactly. allow that to happen. Exactly. But, but what, that political vehicle has done is create the best drivers in the world and allow them to shave sec split seconds off of laps and all that. It's, it's created a progression in the sport. And I think that what we're seeing with the Dehuy backdoor shootout and certain other things are the stab high events, the stab 100 event is that these other things are actually creating progression. These other things are progressive and this, political structure that's been created over here has stymied progression in a lot of ways because of the parameters that are built around it. Yeah. The, you, you, those are great points. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, more will be revealed here as, as we move into the next season, you know, we're just a couple of weeks away. And, um, and I know that I speak for you when I say that, look, we're looking forward to the, the WCT and for them to get it back on the rails. I'm looking forward to the pipe event and the sunset event. That's for sure. Who do you, who'd you pick for pipe for your survival league? Uh, hold on for a minute. I got some noise behind me here. I can't concentrate. Uh, okay. We'll take a commercial break. How's that? Okay. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we're back. Do you have a laundry room inside your studio? My studio is a laundry room. <laughs> what are you talking That's about? Good. The, the clothing muffles the sound, the acoustics, which is <laughs> ideal. Um, so anyways, who'd you pick for your survival pick going into uh -huh, the season? Right. You think you're going to get that out of me? You're wrong. Did it's you not, see Julian? It's not the obvious though. I'll tell you that. It's not the obvious. Good. I love, I love I, the sound I could, of that. I could be out. I could be out early. But you Jeremy I'm actively Florence. rooting for John John to lose in the first round. Now you are. Yeah. You pick Jeremy Flores. He's not even on tour anymore. <laughs>
What? Wait. Okay, speaking of Survival League, let's just jump right into the main, the buried lead here, which is Kelly Slater warned about his vaccination status by the Australian sports minister. And I'm taking this straight from, I think it's from The Guardian or it might be one of the Australian papers, but it says... Veteran surfing champion Kelly Slater has been warned by Australia's sports minister that there is no chance of him being allowed into the country unless he gets vaccinated. Just days after the unvaccinated tennis star Novak Djokovic was deported on the eve of the Australian Open, the 11-time surfing world champion has found himself out of loggerheads with the Australian government. And the 49-year-old, they said he's 49. I thought he was 50. The the 50-year-old surfer leapt to the defense of Djokovic after uh, after Djokovic was detained by the Australian Border Force officials on on arriving at the Melbourne airport earlier this month. And um, I don't know if you read the whole thing, but I got kind of an interesting quote. And this is what Slater said about it all. He said, oh, actually, Mm. let me continue. The federal sports minister, Richard Kolbeck, added, I reckon Slater knows the rules. It doesn't matter whether you're a surfer or a tennis player, a tourist, or anyone else. Those are the rules. They apply to everyone. I don't like the chances of Slater competing in Victoria. And I'd hate to think of what the chances were of him competing in Western Australia. Western Australia apparently has the strictest COVID rules in the world and currently has its borders closed to even other Australian states. Um, Slater basically said, if something happens to me, it's on me, not someone else. Your argument is false equivalence, apples and oranges. I think he's talking about if he gets sick from the vaccine. But anyway, Slater put on notice. What are your thoughts on this? We saw this coming. Um, we anticipated this happening. The big kind of update is that um, they didn't let Djokovic compete, which is a much bigger star and a much bigger sport than surfing is. And so I think that's kind of like, okay, yeah, there's no chance that Kelly gets some sort of exemption. Um, ultimately, I would be shocked if Kelly got vaccinated just to go compete. As far as I see it, Kelly will not be going to Australia. I think he will not be making a challenge for his 12th world title. When we originally thought that you'd be allowed to drop two events in the year, it was like, okay, maybe he just doesn't go to Australia and he brings his A game to everything else. No, he can't, he can't afford to lose those two events uh, and still try to go for a world title. So I just think he doesn't go to Australia. I think Kelly's all but retired. We have retired Kelly Slater. Remember last week, was it that I said this? And you're like, no, 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 it doesn't mean he's retired. <laughs> now you're saying he's retired. Well, no, 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 no. I was saying he could come back in 2023. Right. Right. Yeah. At the age of 53 or whatever. However, right. 51. Well, here's a couple of things. Um, number one, let me state that Kelly's not anti-vaccine but he is anti-mandate. He thinks it should be up to everyone else. So he's been adamant about saying, hey, if you wanna take the vaccine, take the vaccine, I don't care. 
but he's against you know sort of this big brother mandate thing uh also he's also i don't want to muddy because that statement stands alone and it's totally true i'll mm-hmm. say in addendum he's advocated and been very responsible for his own wellness and health his entire life and so i think that he's added to that conversation that he trusts his own immune system uh, to help him fight off any sort of illness. And so that's what he's relying on for this pandemic. I mean, I would just say like, does that mean that if, would he have sex unprotected with somebody who has syphilis and gonorrhea and just expect his natural immune system to kind of kick ass? I don't think he'd have sex with that person. No, I'm just hypothetically. I mean, that basically you're dealing with a virus that, it, that we can't solve. Yeah, no, I think that this is a virus like syphilis. No, so it's you're basically not. Saying- <laughs> it's not like syphilis. There, <laughs> I don't think it is that. Aren't you? Uh, I think, I'm an epidemiologist. I, Come on. Okay. I think yeah. he's saying like, look, he, if Kelly addressed that question, I think Kelly would say, I think that if I got coronavirus, I would not get very sick and my yeah. system would fight it off. That's what his thought is. If I got syphilis, I would, pro- I don't know. What are the effects? Do you have lesions on your dick? Is that asking, ask Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If I got sy- syphilis, <laughs> I'm not willing to take that risk. Give me that vaccine. Where's the needle? Uh, but also There's I want to have some green that dripping that occurs. I'm not positive. Right. <laughs> right. So that's, that's what I think Kelly's take on that would be. And whether that's right or wrong is not what you and right. I are commenting on. Right. But Kelly's saying, look, a lot of Americans uh, have not taken the precautions for 50 years that I've been taking. Yeah. So they are welcome to take the vaccine, but you shouldn't be mandating me yeah. with rules that you're enforcing for them, basically, yeah. is what he's saying. And and that makes tons of sense, except for you, Kelly could get it, or anybody that's healthy like you and I, we're basically very healthy. We could get it. And I could be fine and it doesn't affect me. And then I could breathe on your parents and they could die. Right. And that's where there's this like, are we a community? Like, okay, if we are a community, then let's do the right thing for all of us. Yeah. But if it's just about me and I'm good, I'm healthy, well, then go live in the forest and don't come back. And you can just be Johnny individual guy out there with the bears. I don't give a shit. But we yeah. live in a community. There's a social contract that occurs between us. We decided to live with each other, near each other. And that means that there's some responsibility that you got to bear that you might not like. And this is, you know, and it's a big one. And I get it. You know, like this guy is is a, a beacon of health. This guy has actually done tons of crazy research on foods. I mean, this guy is a stud. You know, Kelly's just a, a downright stud. And that's why he's 50 years old and still could win the world title, in my opinion, mm-hmm. if, if the stars aligned with the swell and everything. Yeah. But um, here's, a, here's another thought on Australia, though, is that there's also the opportunity, or, or this could occur, I guess I should say, that the Australian leg of the tour isn't until, like, I want to say, like, the end of March. I mean, here, let me look. I got it right here. Hold on. So what I'm getting at is by that time. April. Things can change April 10th. So by April 1st, you know, we're talking three months from now and some change. The whole thing could be gone. Omicron's already on the decline in Africa and in Europe and in New York and on the East Coast. And it's kind of peaking here at California, but it's expected to just go away. And it might do that. And then 
the whole thing could be gone in three months. Springtime's here. Didn't didn't the former guy say that the sun does? You know, <laughs> but my point is this whole art, this whole conversation could be gone. Like Australia could be just like, dude, we need the tourism dollars. Open it up. This thing's gone. Let's get back to reality. And this, like I say, this conversation is is mute. Yeah. Well, that last point that you made, I remember making that point in March of early March of 2020. Yeah. There's already we, another variant out there. Did you hear that? We are. No, I didn't. I'm not surprised. Delta Cron. I'm not kidding you. This is not a joke. Wow. Okay. There's one called Delta Cron because it's the Delta variant and Omicron mixed. Okay. Um, I found it in Cyprus. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Um, so the other little detail here, we're all talking about Kelly, but Gabriel Medina implied that he's not vaccinated months ago. And so that's kind of more important. I could see Kelly retiring, yeah. but Gabriel is the world champ. What if the world champ doesn't get to compete in two of the events? And what about others? Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. I guess we're going to have to know. But he's the most important because he's the defending world champ. You know, it would be kind of a, a silly internet game is like, guess the vaccinated guy. You know, you just list the CT32 or whatever, try to determine who's going to make it to Australia and who isn't. This right. might affect your survival league pick, by the way. Seriously. Seriously. Consider that. Yeah. little insider trading. Anyway, right we'll there. see what happens. Um, we all hope that this thing just goes away and Kelly's at all 10 events and into the final five. I think that would be cool. I would like to see that. Um, so I've got a must-see moment and a Duke and a kook this week too. Oh, well, I have a Duke and I have a must-see moment. My Duke Kahanamoku is Cecil Lear, who passed away this week. He's both a legend. He's, he's a hero on the East Coast. He's done a lot for surfing legacy on the East Coast. He's... Um, He's a classy guy. I've met him one time at Shack. Super sweet, generous guy. He's um, the founder of the East Coast Surfing Hall of Fame. He's also has, uh, he's on the Walk of Fame at the Huntington Beach uh, Surfing Walk of Fame. Uh, he's a founding member of the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Um, he's a Hall of Fame member for the New Jersey Surfing Hall of Fame. This guy is a longtime historian and um, one of those all-around great guys that... Um, and it's sad. He lived a long, illustrious, full, full life, but it's obviously sad when a hero like that passes away. So Cecil Lear is my Duke Kahanamoku this week. Rip, rip in peace. Yeah. Um, so my Duke is Dehui for making it happen, dude. Dehui yeah. for obvious reasons. Dehui pulling off a phenomenal event. Um, from what I heard, cost 20k 20k per team to enter so your team had four surfers on it so it was basically five surfers per team but you pay big and you win big first prize mason won fifty thousand bucks obviously permits come at a fee so that cover covers the permits covers the cash for the surfers um commentators i'm sure made a little bit of money covers the streaming so i think they pulled off a phenomenal event you're here. Great choice. Yeah. My must-see moment is there's a number. I mean, there's a number of individual waves this past week that could be picked for must-see moment. But John John Florence put out a film, nine-minute film. It was an ode to Pipeline with footage from the past 
15 years, I'd say, and it's called Form. And it is on his YouTube channel. So search Form and John John Florence. And it's got footage of Derek uh, and his dad, Michael. It's got footage of Andy Irons. That's got uh, Derek is his brother, Derek and Michael, huh? No, I know. I met, I'm sorry. I met Michael as Mason's dad. Oh, right, right, right. I don't know why I had Mason on my mind. I was thinking Mason's dad, but yeah, Derek and Michael, um, Andy Irons, Kelly and Rob Machado from back in the day doing the high five, like a bunch of this footage to set up kind of the, the final two sections of the film, which are modern day. And, um, it's incredible. It's a beautiful ode to an epic wave and just the best surfers of all time surfing it. So form. It's pretty cool. I, I know there's been a, a pipeline documentary and, and I'm sitting here and I don't know if I've seen it, but um, I'm sitting here thinking if I was to make a pipeline documentary, who are some guys, what are some stories that have to be in there? You know? Yeah. Um, starting from the very beginning. Isn't there like a really good pipeline documentary out there? I don't know. I haven't seen it. There is. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's good, but part of me thinks like, okay, well, you know, you've got to have like Phil at the first guys that wrote it, Phil Edwards and whoever, you know, Diffenderfer, whoever, and why it was named. And, you know, you just go through the chronology of it all and Jock and, uh, you know, Butch Van Arstalen and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, John Dom and, you know, Mike Armstrong and Brian Bulkley. And, you know, you just move through this whole thing and, that guy Taz and I mean there's all sorts of Mickey Nielsen and Marvin Fox. I mean it's just like it would be a really cool documentary if you had a bunch of great and I'm sure the footage is out there yeah um well the John John thing is not comprehensive but it's a beautiful love letter okay fair enough um Mike Cook yes this week yes is the unidentified surfer who burned Griffin Colapinto or not Griffin Crosby Colapinto at backdoor. Did you see this wave? No, I didn't see this. <laughs> All right, I'm going to work to send it to you this very second. Um, okay. This is, remember I was saying Crosby Colapinto? Yeah. Is he was like my Duke last week because he just continually delivers. And uh, I think he's really coming up and going to make some big waves, no pun intended, yeah. in the surf biz. But sure enough, one week after me saying that, look at this wave that he gets at backdoor. I just sent it to you on your phone. Crazy. It's a triple overhead wave doubling up and makes this crazy drop, tucks in, and some surfers fully burning him while Griff call, uh, Crosby's right in the barrel. I'm pulling it up right now. And Crosby makes the wave. He comes out from behind this guy, and this guy looks behind him and sees Crosby flying out of the tube. So he tries to pull out and gets sucked over the falls but what a kook for burning Crosby. I mean, this is the wow. ultimate kook burn I've ever seen in my life. Right? <laughs> no harm, no foul. It was definitely a, a bad situation there. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, Crosby got the better of it for sure. Crosby didn't adjust his line at all and somehow avoided tragedy. But that guy, I mean, yeah. and by the way, Mikey, uh, Mikey Bruno, I think, uh, burn Jamie O'Brien too on an insane wave. Like yeah. Jamie takes off way too deep on a soft top and Mikey drops in and like barely makes the drop. So Jamie has to straighten out and they both just get absolutely annihilated by the lip. I think it was a closeout anyways, but it's like, Jesus. I mean, it's crazy out there. It's pure, yeah. pure pandemonium. 
Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that played out. I know Mikey, I believe, is a lifeguard there. Yeah, and, yeah. And Mike and Jamie are a long time, if not friends or acquaintances. I mean, they've known each oh, yeah. grew up together. So for sure, for sure. Uh, well, the kook of the week again, unidentified guy who burned Crosby. Hang your head in shame. Wow. Utter okay. shame. Stay home. Right. Stay inside for 24 hours of isolation in the dark and just hang your head. Yeah. Go to survival league, pick a winner. You know, you've got time. You can think it through. <laughs> All right. Well, look, David, until next week, um, which will be, what date would that be? That'll be the 27th. It'll be two days before the pipe event. No, because that would be if we recorded on Thursday. Oh, right. We're recording on Tuesday. So it'll be like generally 20, 23rd or 24th or 25th. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we'll try to get back on schedule for Tuesday. And uh, gosh, great show. Until next time, adios and aloha. Wash away my troubles, wash away my pain, with the rain and shown by love. Wash away.